Welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. This is Dan coming to you from the wood shop at DTM Enterprises, my little wood shop in the backyard. So speaking of that, we'll get some of those uh, commercials out of the way. You will be hearing some sponsorship by Anchor, the host here on these podcasts uh, from this point forward. Uh, go to dtmww.net. That's my wood shop and handyman services. If you're here local, if you need something done, I can help you with that anywhere in the Louisville metro area. And uh, the woodworking stuff, uh, I can do that. And a lot of those pieces can be shipped. And we'll, if something you need that direction, let me know. Contact me pages there. Go to spiritualunderground.org for uh, show notes around the podcast. Contact me page there. You can see pictures of the guests when they, as we were just talking a minute ago, uh, one of the things we do at the podcast is uh, protect people's anonymity at the level they need to. So guests that come here. Uh, you know, I would even offer a pseudonym if a guy didn't want to tell his name but wanted to come in and share his story. Uh, so some people don't want their pictures on there, and that is fine with me. But those who do, you can see the pictures. I think it's important for me. It, it always has been for me to, like, put a face with the name. Um, so go there. 12-Step uh, Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It's available on Amazon. It is the principles by which these guys and most of the people that are on this podcast have come to... Uh, this um, state of mind, this state of being uh, that, that we speak of here, the juice in our lives. It's Amazon, James Christopher Cohn, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery. And finally, the uh, music around the podcast is by Darren Frank. So want to make sure we give him musical credit. Uh, I have a couple guests today, so we're going to do a double header, and it feels funny speaking to that, but uh, I'm going to speak to that anyway because it's just what we're doing sitting here. Uh, Marshall is here to stay, talk today first, uh, and Mark, his sponsor, is here also. He's going to share his story today, so we're going to get both of those. And I'm going to just, uh, we also have another guest, Nick, is in uh, in the studio just coming and, and, and listening and partaking and, uh, and, and being part of this thing. I always like to have, I, always, I have a little bit of a vision of maybe half of the half of the wood shop being like seats over there where it's a studio audience, you know. Uh, maybe that'll be, maybe that'll be the case at next Sunday's guest. Um, so I always like to put a little story on how, you know, we meet in this path and, uh, and, and how that happens and, you know, and, and I don't know if I have this exactly correct, but, uh, uh, Mark and Marshall have a friend who had been visiting the spiritual underground, uh, at some level and had mentioned it to those guys and they came up and came to, uh, come, come joined us on a Tuesday night at some point. I believe I'm, I'm telling this story right, or at least Mark did or some, I don't know if it's both. Uh, but anyway, uh, and I'll, I keep an eye on new people that come in and, but, but sometimes, man, we just have so many new people that it's hard to keep a thumbprint on everybody. And I got an email from a guy who, uh, took a lot of time to uh, a heartfelt email and, and certainly some energy put towards writing it uh, that that put a lot of love on the podcast and it really touched me and and I found out that was you know I, I saw that it was from Mark and uh, and for whatever reason we were, were chatting back and forth and uh, ended up you know extending a, a invitation to to come to the retreat this past spring Mark and Marshall both came uh since then they you know over that evolution not since then during this whole little span of time uh they've come to uh be um valuable members loved members of the spiritual underground group so uh that is cool i just love to watch people come in and marshall's story watched him you know i mean you had a lot of 
you had a good foundation when I met you. You know, you could see that, you know, but you see this continued uh, brightness and the light glows brighter day by day. And like right now, uh, was it last? It was Monday, a week ago tomorrow, that Marshall celebrated one year of sobriety, man. And that is too freaking cool, man. Too cool. Yeah. Yeah, really clap on that, no doubt. Uh, so it's important sometimes when I see that, you know, and I just get drawn, you know, I follow this thing from my higher power tells me what to do. You know, most of these ideas are not mine. And uh, and so I was like, yeah, I like it when guys are, are new. And some of my first podcasts are relatively young and recovery sponsees of mine that, that, you know, one thing was is that I could exert a little persuasion over them coming and telling their story. And I like that, you know, uh, everybody's on this path in a different spot and has something to offer, you know, and and you're on fire. So that's like a really cool, that one year sobriety is just a cool place to be, man. And, and, you know, I'll tell you just in the same realm, the people who go back out, like after getting a year, when they come back, their next first year generally won't have that glow of that first first year, generally. That's a little uh, uh, public recovery announcement. I'm doing them public quit announcements on here now uh, of, of, be, of be careful. Like it, it falls back to that. It's a hell of a lot easier to uh, stay sober than it is to get sober. Um, so welcome to the show, Marshall. I'm uh, juiced to have you here today. Thanks, you're a little man. bit nervous yeah very much so yeah marshall's brought a lot of crystals to join my uh, little crowd of crystals on the table so that uh, we've got like a uh, the energy uh will not be to blame today no. if anything is on the uh well it's not going to be i'm not going to put that air out there the energy should be fantastic because we've got a lot of energy creating crystals on the table so yeah. what do you think I'm just, I'm very excited to be here. I've been daydreaming about this since the first time I heard your podcast, or I heard about your podcast, and yeah, you were right about um, our friend that um, I was um, in some uh, meetings earlier, and um, our friend, mutual friend, I'd been telling a lot of people about podcasts in general. Um and saying that these are helping me a lot through work and stuff like that, just speaker meetings and stuff like that. Yeah, speaker and meetings I, are really important. to me. still are, actually, but were really would, important to me early on. I would listen to them all day through work and uh, just put, you know, put, put it on and just let it go. And, you know, eight hours later, it'd be time to go home. So I was telling all these people the, how good these speaker meetings were um, or these, these tapes, or not tapes, but podcasts. And... Um, it was almost as good as like comedians, you know, you, you get the humor out of these people, but yeah. I was like, I just couldn't believe it. Cause I was like, you know, the time flew by and you, you got a really good story, a good lesson. And uh, so I was spreading that message to the other people that hadn't heard a podcast and hadn't heard of this way of, of uh, learning about things. So I was telling everybody and then our mutual friends said, Hey, I got one that you need to listen to. And he told me about, this podcast huh. so that's how i first heard about it and then he said you know they got a meeting up there and he said you you really got to go to the spiritual underground i was like really okay and and that's what started that the, the steps that got me right here where i'm sitting right now yeah super cool man that yeah. is, uh, so i was close but not exactly uh on par but i'm glad you clarified that that's uh it's neat how we get brought places. I don't think anything, you know, again, you know, we don't believe in accidents or coincidence around here anymore. And, uh, and there's a reason why that happened. And, uh, 
Yeah, man, it's a, um, if I was to say a minute ago, and this will embarrass him a little bit, but like if I have a super fan on the podcast, it's Marshall. He probably knows more about the podcast and the different people that are on it and what's been said. And uh, he will remind me of things that's been on the podcast that I forget that we're on the podcast. Uh, so thank you for that, because that juices me up too, man. Uh, that's, uh, again, it's just an honor to be able to do this and to have people getting something out of it, because I wouldn't do it if I didn't think people were getting stuff out of it. So when you give me that feedback, man, that gives me that higher power attaboy that knows me, that tells me to keep doing it, right? Yeah. Keep keep it up. Keep doing it. So what's your sobriety date? 8-12-2018. Yeah, I knew that too. Uh, most of the time people sit here, I know sobriety dates. That's another one of them. I'm a numbers guy, a name guy, and a face guy. I can remember people's names, sobriety dates, and uh, and and now the sobriety dates are a little trickier, but names and faces. So cool. So you just last Monday crossed over one year of recovery. Yes. Yes. Is that your first try? Uh, mm, well, no, not really. I mean... Uh, I've been to rehab. First try and, okay, go ahead. Rehab a couple of times, a couple of different times. But, you know, Did you those come out are, and try 12-step stuff after that? Not not really, you know. I mean, not even what you would call a half measure, yeah. you know, before. But, but you did come. You did you did experience some of it, or at least. A little bit, yeah. 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 I mean, if you go to any rehab, they're going to be. They're going to be coaching that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some people just flatly don't, you know, they go to rehab and they walk out the door and they're like, you know, okay, like, uh, you know, like went and got your appendix removed or, you know, when you yeah. come outside of the hospital, you leave the hospital, you go home and, uh, yeah, that was kind of the first, my first trip to rehab was kind of like that. I, I don't have the answers yet of why I did what I did and Man, what I no, thought. Yeah. Yeah. There's no answers to most of those kind of things. Uh, my point is, is that I'm a product to keep coming back. So there's some certain things that I, and my son has a teacher's or school. My kids have a, this thing in school and they call them bell ringers. And it means something completely different for their school. But to me, the bell ringers are when these things that we have in common, these these certain things that you hear in here, we all have this terminally unique bullshit going on, right? Uh, I've been speaking to that a little bit about how we stand over there and I'm different than y'all. You know, I want to come sit on the bench with the Cubs and wear my Phillies uniform, you know, because I want to make sure you all know that I ain't like you all. Well, that is not getting people well for sure. But the flip side of that is I hear these commonality things between all of us. And, you know, I'm a product to keep coming back. And whether, if it, you know, how many times or how long, I feel fortunate I only bounced around for four years before my current sobriety date. So that seems like a long time in a way. Uh, I know some people that don't never make it. Matter of fact, we lost a guy this this week that uh, has been coming around longer than I've been around, and uh, he didn't make it. So that's the other side of this story about keep coming back. Um, sometimes you don't. It's serious. It's deathly serious. So give me a little bit of, let's start this talk out, and I always like to go back to the beginning, of like a little bit of like where you were born, where you were raised, how your family system was, yeah. that kind of thing, and we'll just right. move down the path. I was born in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Um, I grew up around there, um, a little farther south, actually. Uh, most of my time was around Hodgenville. Um, went to LaRue County High School, but um, been in Kentucky all my life. But I had, or I have, uh, three uh I had three. I'm the youngest of four. Um, mom and dad had my oldest sister, Debbie. And two years later, they had Alvin, my older brother. 
Then two years later, they had Lisa. And then seven years later, I kind of pop up, you know. But they say, they swear it's not a mistake. Of yeah, course yeah. not, no. But anyway, I was the baby of the family. Um, uh, my dad is, uh, he's passed away now, but he was, uh, uh, he drank a lot. You know, I can't really say he was an alcoholic, but he sure acted like one. I've seen enough, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, we kind of skirt that a little bit, but I, and there's a reason we do that, so I yeah. can honor that too. Right. But we kind of know. Yeah. So I had a really, a really good childhood, pretty much. Um, I was a, a few bad memories of you know dad's drinking. You know, I. I remember one time getting into the refrigerator. I was upset because he, you know, he had been drinking for, you know, whatever reason. Uh, I mean, he would come home from work and and just drink and then uh, pass out in his chair or whatever. And uh, I remember getting into the refrigerator and getting out of the into the bottom drawer and getting out his Coat Forty Five malt liquor is what he would drink, which was. You know, I didn't think anything about it then. It's kind of funny when I think about it now. Yeah. We drank two things. It was Coke 45 malt liquor or uh, Miller Genuine Draft. So, uh, anyway, but I got into that that drawer, and I was crying, and I took those beers, as many as I could handle at one time, out the front door and tossed them across the road uh, from where we lived and across we were in. Everywhere is rural down there. Yeah. So I tossed them across the road into the woods, and... Uh, probably maybe 10 of them or so something like that until i felt felt okay i don't i don't know if i left any in there or not never heard anything about that never got you know in trouble or anything but did you see you do that or is no 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 no. he was he was probably asleep at the time so he may not know that they were even missing he yeah could have not because he he didn't just drink the beer it was sometimes a a bottle of old granddad whiskey in the garage kind of yep. hid that i would see every once in a while so well i had problems remembering how many i had left the next morning that was one of my <laughs> guessing games because i'd get up in the morning and go to work and i always got beer on the way home from work just every day every single day and it was always kind of now looking back it's a little bit of a gamble like how many did i need you know because there was a certain limit that was okay to like have around in front of the wife you know you could be up but you know like if you start stockpiling too much and it starts looking kind of funny right so you're doing that and you'd hit the, you know I think I got this much at home, so I'll just get a six-pack. And then you get home, you go, fuck. Uh, well, honey, I'm going to go hit the grass. Got to go get some gasoline. <laughs> yeah. I heard you tell that story before. Yeah. She must have thought that I had to get gas every time every, I mowed. Every <laughs> time I mowed. I only just bought enough to mow the grass one time. You only had time. a one-gallon can. Yeah. Then, so go ahead with that. Um. So there uh, wasn't any... Uh, you know, abuse, I mean, physical or anything ever. Dad was really kind of hands off. You know, it was the only time I'd, you know, he would say anything was, you know, it was very, very few little attaboys or anything like that. He was just really hands off. Um, Mom did the majority of the parenting with all that. But um, uh, next to that, I mean, I, like I said, I had a really good childhood growing up. I can't, I mean, I was kind of awkward. Uh, big thick coke bottle glasses you know um i did have uh, a lazy eye when i was really really young but i can barely remember that i think they corrected that with like a patch or mm-hmm. something before i had the glasses but i had a fantastic time through school i did really well in school um 
I, mean, I graduated with with honors and was in the honor society. Wow. Um, I played a few sports. I played uh, baseball. I was really mediocre. Um, wrestled. Really uh, mediocre baseball player. Really, yeah, mediocre. And, a real uh, one. Huh? A real. I was really mediocre. Oh, <laughs> right. Well, uh, I wrestled. It was our the first year of wrestling at Larue County, so um, I had no idea what I was doing. It was a good coach, but the whole team, he just had so much on his hands. You know, I, I did not do very well. It was fun. It was great exercise. I mean, you don't know what exercise is or practice is until you, you know. I wrestled as a kid. Did you really? Yeah. I didn't hear that. That's that's news. Uh, so were, were those not the toughest practices that you'd it ever It was hard, through? yeah. Like 10 times. I had some other hang-ups with, uh, that, that, uh, that, that overshot the 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 hard part of it uh i thought basketball and baseball and football were well and baseball not so much but basketball and football uh, was just as difficult practices wise but i didn't like them being touched by other dudes i didn't like that wrestling stuff from some childhood stuff i don't even know if i've shared here or not but so i had some other issues that got in the way of uh uh, overshadowed any any issues with working hard but i ran cross country and i did a lot of stuff so i was like used to hard practices and hard stuff like that from a physical standpoint didn't really think about it but i do understand what you mean could have been the coach too i mean he was he was pretty brutal he was like from ohio ohio state known for wrestling right, yeah. and all that stuff so uh, i played golf in high school uh, that was more what i got into because they changed the time from like spring to fall and the wrestling and kind of got into the the golf so uh, I was a little better at golf than other, but I was still wasn't like the best. I was like right above the cut for the traveling team, best five for the traveling team. And every once in a while I would be an alternate. I'd be like six or seven, something like that. Yeah. But um, had had a great time in high school. I really did. I was voted uh, most devilish hmm. of the, of the my that class. That panned out all right. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, we would go out and get into lots of uh, hijinks. Uh, and when you're in a small town, you got to pretty much make up your own fun. Yeah. And uh, we did very well at that. Uh, you know, at our, um, you're not much younger than me. I'm 42. Okay. A little bit, yeah. I mean, our generation, you did. That's what we did. We made our own fun. You know, there wasn't the fun available to what there are my kids like. Nah. You had to go out and drum up your own fun. Yeah. Uh, and rarely was mine indoors. <laughs> right. Yeah. If no. possible. Unless yeah. the weather prohibited it. That's the only time I fun went indoors and usually it wasn't it was more like the cat in the hat shit where you're sitting inside on a rainy day wishing it was better so you could go outside yeah there wasn't anything i mean indoors i mean we, we would play video games and stuff later on but uh to, for real fun when you went out with your friends then you went out you know to i mean we ended up just doing crazy stuff you know water tower climb the water tower and, yeah um you just know tore big... my favorite water tower down the other day oh yeah yeah <laughs> You know those big, large, round hay bales? Yep. The big ones. We rode one of those out in the middle of the road and set it on fire. <laughs> you know, that was that was fun for... Um, Devilish. Yes, yes, absolutely. There was only 125 people in my graduating class. So maybe 500 total in the high school. Yeah. Possibly. So something like that. You knew everybody. And uh, everybody knew you. And so if something happened, then they everybody knew who did what, too. So... But yeah, you weren't getting away with things. No, no. So was you drinking by high school or not so much? My first drink that I 
I recall really it came with consequences um, I was uh, camping out with a couple of my neighborhood friends uh, lived down the road and uh, earlier that day we had down, been down by the creek and um, somebody had left some old Milwaukee down there in the creek I guess to cool the next mm-hmm. time they went fishing or whatever well whenever they went back fishing that old Milwaukee wasn't there anymore so me and two of these friends were camping out in the backyard, backfield, really. We had like 11 acres and um, not a lot, but it was plenty to camp on. And we went, we were back there and um, I guess we each had two beers. And um, I was probably 11, 12, not 13, I'd say. 12 or 13 because it was just out, it was seventh grade, I think. And... Um, we drank those beers and like it was one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. We decided it was a good time to go for a walk, and we went down the road. And uh, they were just my friends were acting pretty crazy. They were showing off for each other, ripping mailboxes off the post. Um, they pulled some hubcaps off cars, tossed them into a creek. We went down to down the downtown little area that of a small, really small town, and busted up the fruit stand down there shaking general up, mayhem shaking up pops in the middle of the road tossing them busting them up well the next day i don't remember how it was i think i was off riding my bike but i came back home and um there was a sheriff's car in my driveway <laughs> i was like this can't be good but the sheriff came to talk to us he's like well it wasn't too hard to figure out you know what happened there was a trail of mayhem you starting know, here and the only houses that didn't have anything done to them were mine and my other two friends houses you know so everything in between so it was it was pretty easy for him to didn't take really colombo to figure that one out yeah, wasn't wasn't testing his detective skills much no but there were some cars that got keyed and everything else so uh my two other friends uh, I have that I, in my story also when it all came came out um they got into a lot more trouble than i did because i had to confess that i broke somebody's rain gauge and that was the extent of my destruction a rain gauge on on a thing so i i ended up with 11 hours of community service and i had to um uh, vacuum and sweep the uh elementary school that was not far down the road my friends got um uh, I think they had hundreds of hours of community service and thousands of dollars uh, that they had to pay in restitution. But I remember standing in front of the, du- the judge, and he I can remember him saying, I think you need to pick your friends a little more wisely next time. Mm-hmm. So so the other guys truly did do more of the damage, and you were just along for the ride. And They did. Uh, your rain gauge was just your little bit that you was able to ante up to, I, I to wanted, your portion of the man. I wanted to feel like I, I, I was breaking yeah, I stuff, to too. something. See, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that kind of kept me out of trouble for a while, though, standing in front of a judge, you know, and um, yeah, I didn't drink again until I was about 16 because I had a, a, a truck and uh, me and a buddy went out and uh, that was my buddy, Mike, his last name. Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> say his last name. Yeah, that's bad because it was a joke. I mean, oh, is that's it? The, yeah, it's a yeah. joke. I'll tell you about it later. Uh, we. We uh, got uh, two bottles of Mad Dog 2020, and uh, we downed that. 
Yeah, someday no. something I'm probably going to get like where one of these somebody says something and it, and it slips through and that person hears about it and yeah. I end up with some kind of libel or slander uh, suit about uh, well, naming somebody. I'm glad you caught yourself. Yeah. Because I wasn't going to stop you. I'm just sitting here listening. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we ended up, you know, just having that was, a, that was the first time I got real drunk, I guess, and uh, ended up puking off the side of my truck, you know, in the bed, just uh, slept in the in the bed of the truck and that was pretty that that was the another i guess consequence from that but you know never got into any trouble from that and then you know ended up having some drinks and here and there you know but not not anything uh major in in high school everything uh kind of escalated after i got out of high school and got into uh college you know not really college but a two-year trade school vocation school yeah that's when uh everything really escalated from there should I go on with that? Or? Sure, man. Yeah, so uh, at that college, it, my college plans kind of fizzled out because I was up for a uh, uh, scholarship and it didn't work out. Um, I had plans on aspirations and dreams or whatever of getting a scholarship and going to the speed school. And Oh, good. Dad's walking down here. I'm thinking he's just like traveling right down the yard. And I'm like... <laughs> I've told him three or four times a day we're out here recording, and uh, but he's stopping. He's got projects strewn throughout the yard out there that he's working on. Sorry, it's okay. Uh, I get a little distracted as he's starting. I know I'm like I'm counting it down like he's going to walk through that door in just a second and go whoops, uh, which is fine, yeah. no big deal. So I'm sorry. I totally zoned down yeah. on that last little bit. Okay, um, I had aspirations of uh, for going to U of L at Speed School for Engineering. Yeah, me too. And. Uh, and I had a scholarship lined up. Wow. And it fell through. Not me. <laughs> so it fell through, and I had to come up with another plan. It fell through really late, and uh, I had to come up with a new plan, like, ASAP. So my buddy was um, going to another school, this two-year two-year tech trade school. He was going for AutoCAD. So uh, I said, what else they got? He said, well, they got computers. I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll do that. So that was it. And then I went and did that. And I did end up with a two-year uh, associate's degree in computer engineering technology. but And that was in 96 is when I graduated. But during that time, 94 to 96, I graduated high school in 94. And from 94 to 96, going to that, that school, um, I really ramped up my drinking. And that's when I also started uh, smoking pot, too. Uh I'd smoked pot a handful of times before that, but then it, you know, I really started seriously smoking, smoking pot and uh, drinking. Were you know, doing that together or was uh, just for conversation reasons? I mean, like, so when you started smoking pot, I started smoking pot because my buddy said, here, you want to smoke some pot? Uh, then I found out I found some kind of like increased concentration level thing that I felt like I was like uh, slowed down in noise for me where I could like concentrate better. So I like to smoke some dope and do my homework or I like to smoke some dope and go to school, you know, and I thought it was helping me. And uh, no, I didn't think it was helping anything. Ain't you? It was helping me get tore up as I was trying okay, to. So do. you were using it with along with the drinking. I mean, I did too, but there was, you know, yeah, I was a, I was a, like a, I was like a 24 seven pothead for a long, long time. You know, obviously I couldn't go to work drunk or, you know, some people seem to be able to do that. I could, I never did. That's not part of my story. I was unable to like pull that shit off, yeah. but I could smoke pot. 
at lunchtime, on the way to work, on the way to school. As soon as I got out, you know, just stayed high. Yeah. That wasn't man. Not not then. Uh, I didn't I didn't smoke pot for a long time because uh, uh, it was against my morals. Yeah. You know, I had a real you know mental hang up. Ain't gonna be an old damn pothead, not me. Y'all do that, <laughs> not me. That's what I said. I yeah. get it. Uh, but yeah, but drinking was fine. You know, getting toasted on uh, you know alcohol. But it's really interesting, like how we do this little dance that we do. You know, because people will like they have a father that doesn't drink. And therefore, they won't drink. But, man, I'm going to do this other stuff. You know, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to be like him. Now, you know, you went ahead and went right down the drinking alley. Your dad's drinking didn't seem to derail you a bit. You know, we stand on one side of the thing and point at the potheads. And we stand on the potheads, stand on the other thing and say, at least I don't drink. You know, I can drive. Nobody's wrecking their cars on pot. Shouldn't even be illegal. You know, it's funny how we all pointed. Like, I'm okay. Yeah. It's y'all. I see that y'all have a problem. Yeah, I, I said that, I'm sure. Uh, many times when I was young, you know, seeing dad with the, the drinking eye, I would never do that. I'll never do and, that. And I remember drive, riding in the car down to Disney World, whatever, for like, a, you know, a 12 hour drive in the car and dad smoking with the window just barely cracked. You're smoking you know? cigarettes? Yeah. Well, and I guess I was smoking too. It felt yeah, like it, yeah. you know. And I was like, I'll never smoke. And then, and then uh, you know, I started smoking at 16. So, you know. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, so you started smoking pot and getting tore up alcohol uh, in college and ramped yeah, up. Yeah, college was that that part of college was pretty easy for me. I didn't have to study really at all. I mean, uh, I've always been a pretty good test taker, and uh, there was just some fundamental stuff that that they were doing there, and uh, I just floated through it. Really, my hard part was you know just getting there and being there, getting in the seat enough, um, and also paying for you know the paying for it i mean i took off loans took out loans for it but we had to get an apartment and uh share an apartment and split the the money and i started out at uh working at a, a large corporation and uh where all the college kids work at in louisville but um it wasn't paying enough money you could only do their go there part-time and only get like 16 hours or something like that so i had to take go to full-time uh take a full-time job because uh, at the time, my parents couldn't help out, you know, with any money. So took a full-time job, went to school at night, graduated, you know, six months later than my buddy did, you know. But anyway, uh, I was still still drinking, you know, heavily. I mean, it wasn't every day at that point yet. But once I got out of there, yeah, with a two-year associate degree, I got a $8 an hour job working on a bench, a bench technician working on... Uh, uh, printers stuff like that printers barcode printers um, little um, so the, where was that at that point in time was that like did it feel like that was worthwhile eight dollars an hour no i wasn't very happy with anything okay, at, right. the, at that at that actually sometime I back in the early 90s i took a job and they gave it was, i still remember for whatever reason it hits me they the, the money was eight dollars and 90 cents man and i was in high uh, I've, I've since been told that's not a right way to say things. I was really happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I was I was not happy because I was like, man, I, st- I still had to take a, a side job at Pizza Hut. You know, I had to still deliver pizzas at Pizza Hut. And I'm like, this is some BS, man. I, uh, just to subsist. Yeah. 
Exist. I was like, to get ahead, and I've got an associate degree, and I've still got to work it. Uh, so I started looking, and then I found a, uh, an ad in the paper that said, make $60,000, you know, in sales. So, oh, sales, okay, sixty grand. all right. So yeah. I quit that job, you know, and got out of that and started it uh, sell, selling uh, uh, replacement windows and vinyl siding. Uh. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I would do good in sales, and uh, about six months later, I had uh, – I didn't make 60000 In six months, I didn't make $30,000, you know. What I'd done is I maxed out my credit cards, <laughs> you know, and, and then I started installing uh, replacement windows. Oh, yeah? To get, yeah, I was getting paid like 100 bucks, you know, under the table or whatever, you know. Sell them and put them the in? Time. Yeah. Well, I wasn't selling them. Somebody else was selling them because yeah. I couldn't sell nothing. I was too damn honest, you know. I can't, I couldn't blow smoke up these guys' ass, you know. I'd say, look, they're... This place isn't the best place to buy. You know, you <laughs> yeah. can get cheaper stuff. Yeah. Me, here, here's a here's a car to where you ought to go buy your windows. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a salesman. I mean, I'd have to really love something before I could sell. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, I did that for a while, and then I ended up finding other jobs and um, and just scraping around really until I I found a a job that actually paid really well. At I was 24 when I got that uh, a job with a major company. And, that's when I really, uh, you know, made a good, that was a career that, you know, I was getting into then. And uh, my electronic background did help out with getting that job. So it did pay off eventually, you know. Yep. And we got past where we bounce around. And, you know, I mean, it's a kind of a uh, putt-putt course kind of thing where you bounce off of these little things, finally find the find the hole, you know, and I settle into out. it and go, oh, yeah, this is it. Okay, cool. This is good for a while. I bounced around quite a bit <laughs> during that time. You know, I uh, increased my pot use. I got to where I would uh, buy enough so that I could sell to my friends and smoke for free. Right. And then, you know, the whole time, uh, you know, drinking, you know, the whole time, it, it, drinking never went away. And I also tried everything else, anything under the sun. I do anything. The only thing, I, I never did anything intra- intravenous. But uh, me I either. But everything else I did. Yeah, yeah. I was. I did. Uh, I had an issue with cocaine for about two years, and uh, and then I, I felt like that was making me go crazy. I felt like I was losing my mind because I was. I was so paranoid. I just like how we soft sell it too. You know, I had an issue. <laughs> yeah. Just really was a big deal. Just two year affair with cocaine. No big deal. Like, we'll see where the money hole is after that little affair. Yeah. Well, I say... You know, I get it. I totally it, get it, man. What makes it feel I, like just, it is It's just interesting that we, you know, just hit landed funny. What yeah. makes it feel like it wasn't as much of a big deal? Because it was... I said, well, I'm done. And I was done. You know, after... You know, it's My supply dried up <laughs> on me. You know, and I just yeah. stopped it. And it really ended up being not a big deal. I just couldn't get any more. Right. Yeah. Actually, I looked at it at the time like a somewhat of a blessing because it was, you know, I was starting to have an issue. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, that that kicked off a problem with anxiety for me, that or or either triggered it or put it into my mind or whatever, or maybe it was from the constant drinking that I'd been doing too. You know, who who knows where it actually came from? But you know, chicken or the egg or whatever anxiety or because you've been drinking alcoholism. Constantly. Yeah, <laughs> right. at its root. Yeah. Well, yeah, my conscience didn't much like what was going on, and, and it had been kicking me, and I had been paying attention for a long time. 
but you know, I, I quit. I quit everything. Well, except for weed. <laughs> I, I, I still, except for I still smoke mar- a lot of marijuana and uh, and, uh, and drink. It's so quintessential, though, man. I mean, it really is, and we can like, justify and rationalize that stuff. That you, know, I just quit everything. Except, except. For, you know, yeah. well, oh, not. Yeah, that's all I'm doing. It's cool, now. man. I, and, and Marshall does have a big smile on his face, and we both do. So don't misunderstand from the people who don't see the visual. But it's just interesting that uh, how we how we do uh, compartmentalize this stuff. And and do, my ego wants to wants to not have this thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it wants to put these soft sell all these little things in the past. And yeah. same thing. It ends up you know eventually killing us if we're not. I'm all right. Careful. This is why I'm all right. This is why. Yeah. So you stopped doing everything. Well. Except for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, all I did was quit, quit coke, you know. And um, <laughs> but then I still had the anxiety issues, and I mean these anxiety issues were like you know full blown panic attacks, you know, where I didn't want to, and so I started not wanting to be around any groups of people, anything like that. I had trouble with that kind of um, put me in a shell, you know. I would just. I just didn't want to be around anybody, so I ended up, it got to be where I would just want to go home and drink, and if I had any panic or whatever, I would I would smoke, and it, that wasn't helping that anxiety, and at first, you know, I never had it in, in the beginning, you know, any anxiety from uh, from marijuana, it was just, it would totally calm me and everything, and everything was cool, and I could giggle, and everything would be good, but, you know, later on, it wasn't, and uh, even in the towards the very end, uh of the last times that I smoked it, I was, you know, I'd take one, one hit and, uh, zoom. I was just so paranoid. It was unbelievable. From the pot. Yeah. I got started getting real paranoid on it too, man. Uh, hiding the basement paranoid. Yeah. I, I was, I was also alone too. I would go out and have relationships, you know, with women, but it was, it was just very selfish relationships, which I, you know, I can see now after, you know, the looking back at it, looking into it, looking at myself introspectively. I was very selfish, you know, but it would be either not, it'd be like a month long one night stand or, you know, a couple months, you know, and then that's about as long as I'd, I'd let it take. Sometimes even a year, but it would still wouldn't be anything, anything serious. But still, it got to be where I was drinking every day and uh, smoking, you know, every hour. You know, I wouldn't have to drink every day. I could go to work and come home. Um, I didn't have to do anything at work. But as soon as I left, as soon as I walked out that door, you know, like you said, wondering how many beers you had at home, I usually had a pretty good idea, you know. But um, the fact of the matter was they were home. <laughs> they were not in the car. Right. Uh, yeah. There's where the problem lied for me. Uh, I would, yeah, I would get them to... To get me from that from work to home, you know, yep. get, stop there and pick up. I would get a twelve pack of beer and a um, usually a pint of whiskey, and that was pretty good for a weekday. You know that that you know that would give me where I could sleep pretty easily um, and still get up, and take a shower, and go to work and be just fine. And over and over and over and over, you know, that's that, that took a toll on my body and my mind. Thank. Now, but kind of getting ahead of myself again. There, uh, there were some lots more consequences, man. I've I spent I spent a night in jail in Larue County um, for a DUI in Taylor County. That was a DUI, but I got that amended to a public intoxication. 
and uh, spent uh, and uh, a night and well about four hours in Fayette County uh, for a public intoxication and then for a DUI second I spent a few days in Jefferson County and that one is a real eye-opener there the other ones like LaRue County and Taylor County you almost feel like Otis you know they're like here here's the key go on get in there and you know just sober up you know they come in in the morning with bacon and eggs and sausage and toast and orange juice and grape juice you know here you go and you're like holy crap this is good this it's is awesome. not too bad yeah. i got that at, at i'll LaRue see county. y'all next weekend at larue county and taylor county i got that you go into uh, jefferson county and there you're in there with about 30 other guys a little and, different uh, story and they'll come in and uh you know twice two or three times a day and they come in with zabo sandwiches and i'm like What's a Zabo sandwiches? Somebody says Zabo sandwich they brought in yesterday, <laughs> and they were nasty, man. It was bologna and cheese, and it was like two tone bologna kind of. And we're then starting the cheese, to turn. If you didn't like cheese, then that's too bad because the cheese you try to pull it off, you pull off a corner, and you pull off another chip, and you pull off another chip. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> um, Those but, places really are supposed to be, you know, places that when you go there, you're supposed to have the experience that sends you to where you don't want to come back. There wasn't a concierge. You get those bacon and egg stuff kind of things uh, and, and champagne and mimosas in the morning and stuff like that. Yeah, they you say, hell, I'm this okay. Yeah, I want to give them a review. What you want to give a review? <laughs> yeah, I want to give Jefferson County Public Jail a review. I'm just joking. Yeah, so it woke you up. You decided, hey, man, this is not something yeah. I want to be doing plus you were in there for more than a day that's another thing I've never spent more than a one night detox in any places I've been locked up a few times but I've never had to do any more than sober up and get out tomorrow yeah a good tip is never get you know locked up on a like a Memorial Day weekend or holiday weekend that is a good tip that's we'll what happened we'll put, I'm gonna start <laughs> along with the PQAs the public quit announcements I'm gonna start putting some public sobriety or so well, I don't know what I'll have to come up with something else do yeah. not get locked up on holiday weekend yes <laughs> <laughs> it really gives you some time to think actually but um yes yeah, so i ended up with a uh, uh a nice ankle bracelet with that one for a while and hip does that make sense the home incarceration, home incarceration program uh-huh yeah so i was on that for i think i was only on that for either a month or three months or maybe i really don't know too many people has been on as long as i was i really don't yeah i haven't, haven't heard that I, and uh since to a year i at, luckily at that time i didn't have to do any driving for my job so i um uh, i did lose my license for a year but i keep my i kept my job because uh well it just worked out that way i was really lucky actually but uh i drove so you lost your license completely yeah for not a, a hardship thing where you could still drive to work or right no 100 lost for one year yeah what'd you do i bought a bike I bought a bike and I rode uh, for six months. I rode about seven miles one way or six, five or six miles, something like that, uh, in Louisville from the Highlands, an apartment I had in the Highlands, all the way downtown to where I worked. Driving down from Louisville and the Highlands isn't too bad on a bike, but coming back, and I was working evening shift too. So driving back up into the Highlands on a bicycle at one in the morning through from downtown this country kid from Hodgeville, Kentucky, uh, riding his bike through 
downtown Louisville was interesting to say the least, but I would just, you know, I pedaled good. I felt I lost, you know, 30 pounds. Yeah, that's probably good for you. That's six months. And then I bought, or I, I moved out of that apartment and I got another apartment. It was right next to where closer. I, it, yeah. <laughs> it was right across the road from where I work. And, uh, <laughs> that, that place even led me to another thing. Um, that place is right next to, you know, some strip clubs and stuff, you know, but I was after back from the, or in that trouble from the home incarceration and all that stuff, I had to go to classes, you know, alcohol classes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just kept drinking through that too. Um, I'm, I'm messing up, the, messing up the storyline wonderfully here. You've heard me say that a hundred times, right? Yeah. Well, um, because I, I, there was a trip to a rehab center at some point in there. My two of my sisters, um, or my two sisters, Lisa and Debbie had came and got me, you know, at, they were at that apartment. They came to that apartment that in, in the Highlands, and uh, they said, "What are you doing?" Because it was just there wasn't every flat. I mean, you couldn't see a flat spot in the floor or a, uh, a coffee table or anything because there were beer bottles everywhere, everywhere. And uh, and they're like, "You, you got to get out of here. You, we got to." And they put me in a car and took me to rehab. I think it was in Indianapolis. I think it was called Fairbanks or something like that. Wow, they hauled your ass off somewhere. Yeah, they did. They did, and uh, I, I gave it a half-hearted attempt. Attempt after that, you know, during that time, but I didn't really work any steps, at all, you know. So, I was, uh, sober or dry for about two months, something like that, maybe. And then I was like, ah, oh, I can, I'm not like I don't need all this stuff. I can I can quit this myself. I know, you know, sheer will. I can do this. You know, I've quit all this other stuff. I can quit drinking. You know, and uh, I was still smoking at that time, you know, uh, still smoking weed. But so one rehab trip and then uh, uh, was that, oh, the uh, yeah, it was strip clubs next to the that that hotel. I bet I spent not not hotel next the apartments I was living in next to my work. I bet I spent 10 or 12 grand, something like that at that strip club. I walked in there and I, it was a little bar strip club. It was a terrible place, but I'd walk in there and it was like they say, "Norm," <laughs> no, yeah. it wasn't that, but yeah. you know, they're like, I get it. Yeah. "Come on, sit down," and I would just give them my credit card, and you know, and they would just bring me the beers, and then they, and then uh, they'd give me you know money for a lap dance or whatever, you know. So I would just give them my, and I, you know, I did that the whole time I I lived there. But anyway, um, it's more of that, you know. You should say, but you know, to me, I know today that's still that fundamental thing. I'm trying to get this. Uh, satisfaction from outside things no matter what they are you know i will try this i will try that you know so i get these girls around me for a little bit that makes me feel better for a little bit right you know just constantly reaching outside to try to fill this hole that's inside of me yeah i mean that's the core thing alcoholism really i mean i wouldn't i didn't look into that any of that at the time i was just just sitting there on a couch in my window i would open my window and i hear that down the down the street Well, I had to go that way, and I'd head on down the hallway, and I'd be gone. But yeah, it's just interesting how many you know. As people sit on the other side of this podcast table, I just hear people talk about all these things. You know, they're hunting for this thing to fulfill themselves. You know, and 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 never do find it. You know, until we find this, right? Yeah. Uh, Yes. So I'm not sure where to go from there. Actually, About how old were you at this time when you were working in this joint? That was 
That was my second my second DUI was probably around see I had a DUI right before I got that, that job. It was about two years later. So probably early or late twenties, early thirties. Okay. And um Yeah. Um I got out of there and I bought a house after I cleared up the DUI stuff. I was still drinking, still smoking. I bought a house and uh, thought that that moving out away from the city or whatever would fix everything, you know. And of course, you know, that's the geological, geographical change. Yeah. And um, the Wizard of Oz thing, too. If I only had a heart, and if I yeah. only had a brain, if yeah. I only had a house, if I yeah. only have a kid, if I only have a... Yeah. Moved out there. Moved out to Shepherdsville. And uh, that was in... This is... Well, that was way after. This was 2005. So I moved out to Shepherdsville. And, um, um, I don't know where I'm, where I'm going with this story now. But my sisters had somewhere around this time, I, I just continued to do the same things. Drinking, drugging, you know, just, well, weed and beer, weed and, weed and booze, some pills in there. Uh, I'd also been to a psychiatrist for uh, the anxiety things. I've been to multiple psychiatrists and uh, therapists and everything. And they, most of them that I ran into, unfortunately, were just kind of pill pushers is what I, I felt like. But uh, in, uh, in all honesty, I was never honest with them. I yeah. never told them anything, you know. I mean, I never told them the truth. I right. told them what they wanted to hear or what I wanted them to know. You know, and I knew what I needed to say to get what they were going to give me. You know, and I, you know, I always had a continuous supply of Xanax and whatever uh, other thing that they were going to give me for depression. You know. So that was just that was constant, ongoing, the whole time as well. Um, and um, in two thousand seven, my. Uh, the younger of the two older sisters, uh, Lisa, got sick. She always had these migraines, and uh, but at this time, in 2007, she got one, and it didn't go away. And um, she kind of went into a well, she went into a coma, and um, she started out at the hospital in Elizabethtown. They kept her there for a couple of weeks. Couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. Sent her to U of L. She stayed there for a couple of weeks. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. They sent her to the Cleveland Clinic, and. Um, most of the family went up there, uh, me included. And of course I was in the middle of my drinking, of course. And, uh, but I tried to not drink while I was there. And, um, while I should have been paying attention to the rest of my family, uh, I was more worried about myself and not drinking or whatever. And I freaked out up there. Uh, and, uh, they ended up putting me in a bed and, um, they gave me Ativan at the time, I think, and they the nurse that was uh, administering the Ativan, or the, one of them in there, somebody, they told me of this later. They said that they'd never seen seen them give that much to anybody before. Um, she said it was like twice as much as she'd seen them give anybody, and I was I was just uncontrollable. I don't know why, but I guess it was because I hadn't drank in a couple of days whenever I'm used to having all the alcohol in my system. But, and, and you're taking Benzanexes by now. 
yeah, Zab, Xanax. Because that's the same class of drugs that Ativan and Xanax uh, is, are benzodiazepines. Yeah. And if you've been taking Xanax and they give you this lightweight ass Ativan, uh, it'd make a lot of sense that uh, it wasn't having the effect on you that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that. There's no telling what I was taking at the time. I don't really remember. Yeah. But I did. I do remember hallucinating. Uh, just crazy stuff in there in the room and freaking out my brother-in-law and he's had to come stay with me you know and this is something that you know that i've dealt with since then going through the steps the these feelings that i you know i've thought about makes me feel terrible that you know the attention was on me instead of my my sick sister you know who ended up passing away there um so it was a strange it was a real real rare uh, disease uh, it was like a encephalitis type mm-hmm. disease yeah. from vasculitis was, was this trip did this, did this so shortly thereafter this trip it was that during that trip that so at, at Cleveland like, Clinic yeah wow and that was in 2007 so then then we went home and I just went back to doing the same stuff you know the woe is me kind of thing i never thought i was going to make it to 40 i didn't i just figured i would just i didn't see any reason to i didn't have any real real will to live actually and i was a lot dealing with this anxiety and issues too i remember sitting in my bed laying in my bed with a gun one time well several times i would just i would stare down the the hallway thinking people were coming to get me and stuff and i would just stare down there i was just just scared I mean, almost motionless. But another time, I sat with that gun, and uh, and I had it right here, holding it right, right up next to my head. And um, I don't know why, but I just pulled the trigger, just sitting in the living room, uh, at the on the couch. I didn't put it to my head, but I did put a forty-five hole in my ceiling. Hmm. Um, just some stupid things that that I did and I did think about it. I was too uh coward, I think. I didn't want to to kill myself. But I did actually ask a friend of mine to kill me. Really? Yeah. Man, that's a lot to load to be sticking on somebody. Yeah, isn't that nice? I, I was that's another, you know, another glaring show of my cowardice and and uh selfishness. Powerlessness um, and unmanageability and the disease of alcoholism. I've been a mess for a long I was a mess for a long time. So my Lisa passed away in 2007, and then in the winter of 2000 uh, or spring of 2010, my dad uh, had heart surgery. He went through the heart surgery fine; he did everything. But then there were some complications to that surgery. Apparently, possibly like well, who knows what it was, but he got an infection, and then he passed away in 2010. Um, uh, like in February, I think. So that was really tough, but we were still really close, you know. Um, and um, and then my older sister Debbie passed away that summer. Um, they found her floating in her in her pool in her pool. Uh, well. And they think the best thing thing that they know is that she slipped on bath, uh, suntan lotion or something and hit her head and drowned. Mm-hmm. 
So with my sister in September of 2007 and then dad and uh, that uh, of 2010, the spring, and then my other sister in that summer, it was, it was a mess for my entire family. And uh, I felt like I kind of did a downward spiral there as well. And uh, again, it's all about me and spiral, you know, and I don't know. It, it was tough. It was rough. But. Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, it's a tough period and it didn't make any difference when. And then you throw this madness, this disease on top of that and no ways to yeah. cope and no real tools to deal with that. Uh, you, you, you don't much stand a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went I went more down the rabbit hole than then than I ever had. Um, somehow I went to another rehab and uh, it was I think it was called Tenbrook at this time a lot of the people call it the brook or whatever but it was Tenbrook I think back yeah. when I went to it it's been yeah. a while ago unless that's, yeah. the, that's the name of it at one point okay well, I went there and uh, and I still only half hearted it you know but uh, I said that you know and I, I just went my own way I really didn't do any steps but I, um, in 2011, uh, I was drunk calling my, uh, my brother, uh, cause it's just me and him left of the siblings and my mom, uh, of the, uh, immediate family. But I'd call my brother. The only time we'd ever talk is whenever we were drunk, but I was calling down to talk to him. He, li- he lives down in Alabama and, uh, I talked and somebody answered the phone and uh, I was like, hey, you're not my brother. And it was a girl. And she said, no. I was like, well, you're not. Real intuitive. You're, you're not his wife either. She's got uh-huh. a thick German accent, you know. And she's like, no, I'm not. Yeah, I was drunk, you know, of course. But anyway, so it ended up, you know, long story short, we ended up talking and talking and talking. That ended up being my wife, you know. I, oh, really? Yeah. So I went down there. Well, actually, I went down there. um, to talk to her. My, my brother said, I asked him, I said, hey, who's this girl down there living with you? He said, hey, you leave her alone. She's a good girl. You know, <laughs> don't be messing with her. I was like, all right. Uh, so then he went on a trip to Germany. He goes every year. And when he went to Germany, I went down to Alabama <laughs> and I stayed down there with her. And then I brought her up back up here and we got married. So what was she to him? 2012. She was going to... Uh, my brother uh, worked on airplanes in the in the Navy, and she, my wife, was going to uh, airplane school uh, to work on airplanes, and she was a friend of his wife's. They worked together at an airline when they worked together. In, okay. Yeah, I was airline. just curious. I didn't. What, what yeah, was, was the connection? Yeah, Why sorry. did he, he have was, this gal was down more there? Of a friend of his or did wife. you go steal his girlfriend and bring no. her back to Little? No, I'm sorry. It was more of a friend of his wife. I got it. Yep. Seemed to be a hole that needed to be, be plugged up. I wouldn't be above any of that. Either, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I went down, before I brought her up a little, I went down there and met her. And uh, every time I talked to her on the phone, I'd been drunk, because I'm always drunk, you know, but I ain't high. So I went down there, and I was drunk and high, and we had a great time. And at the end of the day, she said, you know, if I'd really see a future of us together. He said, but not with you drinking like you do. I can't handle that that kind of thought i was like what i'm like wait a second yeah well and sorry I went outside well, i'm out of here man i went outside and i was like looking at my truck and i was like i was i was very very close but i thought about it i don't know what happened but i said i walked in i said all right fine so i, I did i was, uh, and i quit I, uh, that night that i told her i would or that morning 
I said, all right, I won't drink no more. So I went back up, back home, and uh, there was like eight beers in the refrigerator at the time, still left over. And um, I, they, those sat in there until like September or something like that. This went from March to about September or something like that. It was around my birthday. Those sat there. I didn't drink a beer. I was still smoking weed. <laughs> a ton of it. But then she, because at first she said that was okay, but then that, that got uh, wrong too. Uh, she wanted me to stop before we got married. We got she married wanted you to stop everything. 7 Eleven, yeah. 7 Eleven, 2012. Women. Yeah, I got married 7 Eleven. I did quit smoking weed. I threw that all away. And, and I, 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 that was my first real attempt at, at trying to quit in a long time. I was still just doing it by myself, though. And like I said, in September, I started drinking again a little bit here and there. Then I started with the wine. You know, I started to, well, I won't drink beer. I'll drink wine. And I'll be sophisticated since I'm married now. Yep. You know. Well, essential that, stuff, man. Switching substances, thinking I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll only do this. I really, I stopped drinking. <laughs> except for wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it was only, you know, I only have one glass, you know, at night. Because red wine's good for you. And it's for your heart. So I'm doing a good thing here. And uh, managed it that way, tried to. But eventually, you know, I, I would slip off and I'd get drunk. And, uh, yeah, that one cup turned into the bottle. And, and well, it, it got to be where I was drinking, you know, I would chase the, um, well, I would get a bottle of vodka and drink vodka with the wine. Hide that away. And, yeah. So then I'd have the glass of wine, yeah. And then I'd have the bottle hidden downstairs or wherever, yeah. Big chug, chug, chug. My finger, pinky out and everything. <laughs> exactly. I'm sophisticated. <laughs> uh, except when I'm chugging this hot vodka. You know. Anyway. There was, you know, sir. So you, know, you married I, her by now? 7-11-2012. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we got married. And so there started coming some consequences of her getting, you know, kind of ticked, you know, about the, the things that I had done. I don't remember a lot of them. You know, but um, the cycles and the empty promises and uh, fucked up once again and on your ass, baby. I promise I'll never do it again. Yep, over and over, over and over, and I never, I didn't do anything different. Uh, I would just, I, I kept on saying what I would do different. Okay, I'll only drink, you know, this time. Only drink this time. She started getting involved with a Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh. I'm sorry, Al-Anon. Al-Anon. Yeah. She started getting in, in, uh, involved with Al-Anon and learning things to help her deal with Somebody me. said, she was complaining to somebody about you. Oh, yeah. And they said, here, go. I'm sure. Go check these people out. Maybe they could help you. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know how all, what all happened. She would be able to tell me more about that. We don't talk too much about what happened before, but. Later on, um, we got found out she was we were she was pregnant. You know, this is a couple of years in. Found out she was pregnant, and uh, then I thought, oh well, here it is. You know, this will fix it. Yep. You know, of course. And uh, you know, it, it didn't. Then I was like, well, yeah, I'll never drink around him. You know. Then I did. You know, but um, after 
whatever, I started feeling like I was sliding back into that feeling that I felt like whenever I was back at that house and I had those dark feelings and feeling like I was, you know, the anxiety was always coming. That was another excuse I always used with, with her was, uh, you know, I, I get this anxiety and the only thing I can do is drink because it, it takes it away, you know, and it more covered it up, I'd say, but, but it, it still helped me get to sleep or whatever. But this last time I, I ended up, um, you know, about a year ago, year and a couple of weeks ago, whatever I was, uh, I was out playing golf and we got drank plenty of beer playing golf. You know, I was drunk, left the golf course drunk, stopped by a bar, stayed for a couple of hours, you know, got enough there to be drunk, left there, went to another bar and, uh, closed that bar down. And, um, uh, and I left that bar and somehow or another ended up at a city that's like 75 miles out of my way. You know, I don't know how I got there. Uh, I know that I did run off the road twice because I know people had to push me. I, was, I don't know if I wrecked at somebody's party or what. Somebody got me back on the road at one point out of a, like a, on the side of the road at a party. Then another time I was in the middle of the woods and uh, I, I went off, ran off the road and uh, was in a ditch. And some people driving by had to get a strap and pull me and there was like six cars behind them it was a miracle that i didn't go to jail that night and i even ended up uh back home somehow that morning and that was actually and then and then i carried that on like the next day or or maybe the next weekend or whatever uh um i ended up going out and i I shot my gun i know that my gun was shot because it was empty and it had dirt all over it and my hurt my shoulder hurt this is another night that I somehow got back home. I didn't know what had happened. Ended up going to the hospital, found out I'd broken my collarbone again. I've broken my collarbone several times, falling off my bike drunk, you know, whenever I was on my bicycle. But anyway, my wife was like, that's it. You know, uh, again, she said that's it before, but this time she got some help and she's like, you got to do something. You have to now. You have to. And something finally said, yeah, I guess I do. I guess I do need help. I can't do it by myself. So she luckily, she changed my doctor because at this time I still had a doctor that was giving me a unlimited supply of Xanax, basically. And I was still on Xanax and muscle relaxers along with beer and whatever I wanted to drink. But she changed my regular physician. She got me with a, a, a physician that is uh, dedicated to substance abuse. Or he was not dedicated to it, but he's a real specialist in substance abuse. The first thing he did, you know, he talked to me for about an hour and a half in the first, my first meeting. And I was like, man, I've never had a doctor talk to me this much. And he was very thorough. And my wife was sitting in there and she was trying to talk to him. He's like, wait, you know, he shut her up. He set her, he shut her down completely. And he's like, you can talk later, you know? And I was like, I like him, <laughs> but he, he, he found out everything that was going on with me. And, uh, he's all right, here's the plan. And he put me on this plan to get me completely off the Xanax, started working on getting, you know, what I did need, what I could use for times of, of trouble or whatever, and had me on like a, an eight-month plan of how to get off of everything. I was like, all right. And then he said, now you need some more help, you know, and he directed me to a, I said, look, I can't go into uh, these group meeting places. I just can't do it. It's anxiety. Exactly. Exactly. I was too scared and I couldn't do it. 
I was shut down. He said, well, go to this person or this person. Give me two people. Then I went to this therapist and I talked to him because I looked him up and he said, I looked it up and it said that he was doing unconventional types of recovery. And I was like, that is me. Unconventional. I need that guy because I'm unconventional. Because I'm different. Unique. I'm exact. So I went in there and, and come to find out he's completely and t- totally all about the 12 steps. I was like, what's unconventional about that? But anyway, he got me in. It's relatively unconventional, really, compared really? to how many people are using maybe, it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but I didn't want any part of the 12 steps. But I started talking to him, and uh, and and I, I've said this before, but he was, you know, I didn't know anything about uh, 12 steps, but I knew that what that guy had, I wanted. He, and backstories, he's, 26 years of sobriety and recovery Um, and whenever he walked into the room he'd smile and his smile lit up the room when he walked across the room it was like he was one of those uh, electronic football games it was like he was buzzing his feet didn't hit the floor very much and he was like yeah and he was just it was like wow this guy's full of life like man is that possible for me you know and that put put it in my head he's like you know of course it is you know and he 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 really turned it around for me. So with my my general physician that started getting me off the other stuff, and then this guy who's going to straighten out my brain, my mind, and really spirituality is what what I found was the problem. Because he's like he's like you think anxiety's your problem. And I was like yeah, and he's like you think drinking's your problem. I was like yes. He's like yeah, I forgot somebody give me. He's like none of that none of that's your problem. He's like you got a spirituality problem. I was like what are you talking about? Like I need to quit drinking, you know, and he he taught me differently. He said, "No, you need to." He said, "Your drinking and your anxiety are byproducts. They're, you know, symptoms." The bottle your, is only a symptom of All your problem. Other stuff are trying to fill this up. Yeah, that didn't. None of that made sense, but then now it does, and yep. it did. So that that's what got me got me going. I spent. Uh, I did. Uh, he did. I did a little questionnaire thing, and he's like. You need to go into uh, a hospital and stay there for two years. I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> He's like, that's what you need. You want to live? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's what you need. I was like, what's the next thing? He's like, six months. <laughs> He's like, I was like, what's the minimum thing that I can do? What if we just come in here and talk? He's like, no, you got to do intensive outpatient is the, the minimal. I mean, because I can tell you you're not going to do it. I was like, I got to keep my job. So intensive outpatient. He said, but you better be serious. And I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, and I had to be serious too because it was it was sixteen hundred bucks, and my insurance wasn't going to pay for it because he's out of my network. Mm-hmm. But I was too scared at that point either to go back and try anything else. I was like, I, this has to work, and I have to do everything in my power to make this work because I was afraid that this was like my last chance too. Because of you know, I was I felt myself felt that I was lucky to make it this far and to feel the feelings that I was feeling. I wanted to to add to them and let them grow like a snowball. And, uh, and that's what I needed. And I talked to the, to my wife about it. And she's like, go. She's like, if it was me or your son, you would find that money somewhere. I was like, okay. So I, I did it. I come up with 1600 and, uh, and I went there, uh, Thursday and Friday of every week and did 
countless exercises in between then and there and and he was on fire too i never saw a therapist be so excited he was happy to have somebody that was interested in seeing what he was saying and i would i would dig into what he was saying and i would ask him questions and and he was uh he loved that so that that was a springboard for me and i i feel like i haven't let up since then i feel that way i feel like i've backed off here and there for maybe a day or two or whatever but i've I'm trying. I feel like I've given it my 100% best. And if I don't feel that way, then I can feel it eating at me. So I know that I have to keep the hammer down, you know. And uh, So from there, I mean, because that's not what got you well. Going to this therapist and seeing oh, this guy. No. Well, I mean, no, so, it was so well what, on I way. mean, some points you had you in some rooms yeah to get to yeah well i mean that was you know instructions i had to go to uh i had to find uh you're doing outpatient two days a week that yeah, you didn't do any detox thursday and friday what you didn't go to any detox no well no whenever this i was time. whenever i was in yeah not uh, this time when i was uh in the hospital they were like my alcohol level was through the roof and she was like they were they were saying i don't know how he's she told my wife i don't know how he's functioning the way he's functioning and uh, I said, no, I'll take care of it. I, I went and I bought uh, two six-packs of Honey Brown, which is my, the beer that I, I love forever. And I said, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. And through the next three days, I drank, you know, four beers at first night or whatever, and then three beers the next day and two. And then the last day, was uh, I had one beer that night, and I detoxed myself okay, uh, so that I didn't have seizures or anything else. But you're also coming off the Xanax at the same time. Yeah, but, uh, well, I didn't just stop those. Right. You I weaned still, off of those I at had the same those time. Right. Yeah. Well, they're liquid alcohol. I mean, they're, they're alcohol in pill form. That's what they are. Uh, they yeah. have almost the exact same. Yeah, that's what the doctor said. Operating thing on you. So, you yeah, know, you're coming off that at the same time. Yeah, from, from there, I went into the rooms, though. Did this uh, guy well, recommend that you do that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Was he it required? You got to find. Yeah. He said, you, you get paper signing on it? No, because no. there was no court involved. It, that doesn't mean much. Uh-uh. Oh, not from him. Yeah. There wasn't, no. Uh, he just said, no. I'm just and curious. He, and he took me by my word, from my word on everything, okay. too, because he knew. I mean, because I was coming in, I, I gave presentations. We would, I would give him presentations on, on things. Uh, uh, so he was deciding your homework. Yeah. Like the trans-theoretical theory and uh, or model. The TTM, trans-theoretical model, and uh, uh, doing stuff like that. Come in and give me a presentation on it. Tell me your story. Give me your story. Give me 15 minutes. Do it like this. And then we grade me on it and, and do this stuff. So that was during, that was for six weeks. And it was supposed to be, no, it was four weeks. Four weeks. It was supposed to be four hours a day on Thursday and Friday. And it was never less than four, like, it was usually five hours. He went above and beyond, and we never stopped. There wasn't any smoke breaks. So other people like in this that. class? Only, there, no. One on one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and we, it was intensive. It was it was fully intense, and I would I would hit him as hard as he was hitting me on everything, and we still keep keep in touch. Um, and and he's he's um, you know he he asked me things to help him out at times, and uh, and I, I do if I can. Oh, cool. So yeah, heck yeah, man. We're trying to start a, start a program in Hodgenville, and yeah. he's uh, he was he had asked me you know my thoughts and stuff like that, and I gave them to him, and now we are. Uh, or I am carrying through with it and still keeping up with him on, on 
doing what we can to help the community. Yeah. Um, so you started going to meetings? Yes. Yeah, and it took a while. Because this guy had you doing that. Yeah, and it was rough to get over my anxiety uh, and stuff, but I did. I, I kept going. I just went in. I was like, I started getting that feeling of that, you know, if I'm doing something uncomfortable, if it feels uncomfortable to me, but I know that I'm safe, it's probably the right thing to do. I'm probably doing the right thing. I got the feeling that way. So I would put myself into these uncomfortable situations of the different different groups of people and going into places I've never been before and whatever. But I did. I started going. I finally, you know, I found a couple of places that I would like, and I would go on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, Tuesdays, just whenever I could. All the time still going to work, keeping everything. Well, no, I was off from work because I, I broke my collarbone. So I was off for a full month. So that gave me a good opportunity to, to really dig into this stuff and do what I, and, and really, like I said, hit the ground running on that so yeah i forgot about that i was off for a month my or six weeks for my my collarbone to heal and that whole time was just intensive therapy um yeah i went to the the meetings and i found out i had needed to find a sponsor and a home group and uh there in elizabethtown there is a lot of uh of uh, rehab facilities and uh, clean living places, sober living places. So they do a lot of, of meetings around there. So you can see like the gamut of people. There's some, a lot of, of, of uh, sobriety there too. And, and people with 35 years plus, you know, a lot of that too. But I went into one group and again, during this time, I listened to those podcasts all the time. Listen to the podcast at work. Whenever I did go back to work, it was just, you know, I was about a meeting if i could go to the meeting i was listening to the podcast the sober i mean the sober speaker tapes speaker podcast whatever yeah i'm thinking about that you know like to some extent like the speaker tapes are kind of like an original podcast exactly. before you know they've been recording those things for a long long time sure so I, I was listening to those all all day and uh then i was at a meeting and i was talking about that that stuff and um i knew i needed to find a sponsor and um, I walked into a, uh, a group where Mark was at, and uh, and you know they asked who who's going to be a sponsor, and he raised his hand. And I remember he had said something, he had shared something, so it something something triggered me to. So this meeting had a sponsorship call. Everybody who's available, sponsor yes. guy, raise your hand. Yes, and he raised his hand. So I said uh, after the meeting, I walked over and I said, "Hey, uh, uh, well, first we just made some chit chat. I was like, hey, 'Hey, I've been uh, something he said.'" I don't know what it was. But I can't remember, but it made me think about something. And I, I said, "Hey, I've been listening to these tapes, and I love this one guy." And I said, uh, "It was." Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank now. Oh. Anyway, this guy, and he's like, "Yeah," and he he said his last name. He's like, "Oh yeah," and this and this and and yeah, and we were both talking about his story, and I was like, "Hey." Uh, and he said something else too, because he's he's technology guy, and we were talking about that stuff. And I was like, "Hey, I don't have a sponsor." And he's like, "Okay, give me a call tomorrow." So, and then from there on, that's where we went. He's like, "Well, where are you at?" I kind of told him, and uh, where are you at? Like in the steps. Yeah, what about yeah. what I've been doing? Yeah, how you been doing? You know. Uh, so, yeah, then. Uh, going around to the different meetings in, in, in uh, E-Town, I started feeling, 
you know, I mean, uh, we I got a home group down there, and it was a really good group. It's a really tight one. There's only like six six or eight people usually there, maybe yep. ten at the most. And but uh, and it's really great shares in there, and you get to share, and everybody's listening to you. And there's something about that eye to eye meeting mm-hmm. where everybody's connecting and everything. Yep, certainly, um, that that was fantastic. And um, but at the other, that was just once a week, you know. And at the other meeting, sometimes I just I just felt like there got to be something more. There's got to be something more out there. Uh, I feel like there's so much more, and I can I can sense it, but I can't smell it. I can't taste it. I can't see it. I can't hear it. But I know there's got to be something out there. And then you know, in with uh, our friend that uh, told me about the podcast, and then he said, "Man, you got to go there because man, when they say uh, uh, are these extravagant promises, man, you ought to hear that room, man." <laughs> <laughs> and so that got us intrigued and uh and then that's how we, we got up there but also let me listen to that uh this podcast right here you know and hearing uh chase and juice man and i don't want to start listening to these people because then i'm gonna miss somebody you know yeah i get hear, it. hearing these guys talk and clint of course to begin with but uh hearing all, like i said i didn't want to start listening to names or i'm gonna forget yeah, somebody right. Uh, well, that's my point. Was you know that's part of the point of why I started doing this. And the same reason is that there's something going on. Some there's something going on. It's a little bit I smell more kind of thing going on. I don't understand it one bit, but I want it out in the universe that other people might be able to uh, get their hands on it. Yeah. Well, so that's what you're exactly doing. Exactly what happened. Yeah. And and I could I could I could sense it. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. I gotta I gotta go get a piece of that. I got to go get around these people and do what they're doing. And then those things will happen, you know? So, you know, that's, that's why I'm here now. You know, I'm, I'm so thankful to be here. Um, and for what has been, for what and who has been put in my path. It's a miracle. You know, it's my word. Well, it's your room. Yeah. Uh, it's not, and I don't mean to have the monopoly on the miracle thing, but, you know, we say promises and promises. And to me, it's uh, quite a bit, weighs a few bit, uh, a little more than promises in my life. Yeah. Uh, I, I call them miracles. So uh, you worked with Steps, right, with his sponsor, Mark? Uh, yes. Um, well, for the most, somewhat. I mean, um uh, I did my steps, uh, a lot of the steps with the therapist, um, and went so far up to, you know, uh, step five, basically. I did a, st- a fifth step with the therapist, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. I yeah, on a one-on-one, I mean, it sounded like more like, more than like a therapist. If this guy's 12-stepping you, basically, I mean, it sounds like it was more of a sponsorship relationship than a, than a therapist relationship. It was very close. Of course, I don't have a lot of experience. Difference being is you was painting. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that really is. That uh, is true. And that was his livelihood. He does this for a living. And I'm certainly not trying to discount. That's not my point is not to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just actually that just came to me as I'm sitting here thinking right. about it. Uh, that that does change the definition. Yes. But he was feeding you 12-step and you, But you philosophy. can tell the difference, too. You know, if somebody's doing something because they're paid or they're doing something because, I mean, it, it's just, that was just a coincidence yeah. that he's getting paid for doing what he's doing. We were talking to each other on a different level. I can't really fault level. that, you know. I mean, when you got something that's valuable, I mean, we if we got these certain things to do, 
Uh, it's not unlike this, you know. I wouldn't really, uh, I am not opposed. As a matter of fact, I hope it just turns into being like a paying gig someday. Of course. Uh, yeah. It does, there is a little bit of funny um, um, energy around being paid for what I feel like is 12-step work. You know, so that's a, uh, but but I don't want to go down that path on right now. Well, I'll, I'll make that some one of these other podcasts where I'll muse about stuff or whatever. Yeah. So, because I'm interested in hearing a little about that, and then there was also something about a trip to someplace that had some inter, some interesting karma oh, around it or whatever. And Gethsemane, yeah. When we did do our fifth step, or when when I did do my fifth step with Mark, we went down to uh, the uh, what's it called of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Yeah, the, the Abbey. The Abbey, yeah. Um, we went down there, and we walked for a couple of hours, two or three hours, and I don't know how many miles we did. And we, it's what's funny is we we went where we weren't supposed to go <laughs> because the like where you're supposed to walk or whatever is across the road. We went behind that place and uh, we didn't really know it, but we were out walking in somebody's field way back around through this place. But we were it was secluded, and uh, we really had a, a great a great time um it was a, a great experience but during that uh or just after the fifth step after i'd finished we were going to i was going to go up and do the sixth step up up at that statue up on the hill the cross yes and we were and at the time we were still down there like close to the gift uh gift shop area yep and it's like all right well let's head on up to the okay so we started going and all of a sudden it just started raining it started sprinkling you know because we we'd been talking about how it had been calling for rain we were like well let's see what happens you know could could or could not but anyway the whole time we were out walking and everything the weather was fine nice little breeze it wasn't too bad and then after the fifth step we started walking up the hill or we got started walking towards the hill and before we got to that hill all of a sudden it started raining it was just a nice little shower it wasn't too bad and we was like eh, whatever you know let's just keep going but we walked up, and just as we got up to the top of the hill, it stopped. And, I was, and we even remarked about it. It was like, you know, that was almost like a shower to get all that four-step and fifth-step nastiness off of. Yeah. It just, just cleaned off your inventory, and you just, yeah. you know, you got it spoke aloud, and now you're clean. It's like we got baptized or something, man. It was fantastic. It felt great. It yeah. really did. Cool. Got up there at the cross to do the to pray, and boom, sun pops out beautiful it's like oh yeah it was fantastic a lot of weird stuff happens on that hill wrapped around uh recovery a number of people i bet i could probably i bet i could do a podcast with people lining up telling one story after another of uh interesting things and we've got i know i've i think the wind thing i think i've told on the podcast before about the wind stopped blowing whenever Mm -hmm. it was just really like a wicked because we go up there every christmas every december and and have a little meeting up there and uh and then go up and do some year-end prayer work and stuff and yeah that's uh might that might be an idea to like a a gethsemane miracle podcast to have everybody come tell their story or hell maybe maybe even there great idea that is really really cool so that's uh you did five six and seven yes there one yes. day yes so did you yeah. had you done the steps with this other gentleman and mark just or up did to you the, do an overlap uh, just up to fifth uh up to the fifth with that and then no really what had happened was i was just going to i did it with the 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 therapist and then started with mark and then 
through hearing about the book, the TSSR book. I said, I bought the book and I was like, started, I was just going to read it and go through it. But then I was like, you know, what? I need to go ahead and go back through this and start through this again. So I started going through and I did the steps again. Uh, out of the book, right out, out of the, the TSSR exactly book. Exactly through the TSSR book, exactly as it showed, um, all the way up to the, the fourth and fifth. That's when I handed uh, uh, Mark the book for him to read the chapter and go through that and do the, the, the part fist about step. receiving a fist step. Yes, yeah. And uh, and then so the rest has been pretty much the book. So I guess I've got like, you know, three part of the information was by my, my therapist and uh, a lot by Mark. And then, uh, the rest is all filled in by uh, the book. By TSSR. Yes. Pretty cool. It's an interesting, uh, interesting journey to, to get it. Well, I know you sure glow when you see that happening. Uh, so then you decided at some point to actually start a TSSR meeting locally. Yes. Yes. And well, that comes from the, the therapist. He called me. And like I said, we, we still keep up. We keep in touch. Yep. And uh, he contacted me, and he wanted me to come to a meeting he was having. And uh, uh, I didn't know what it was about. I was like, sure, I'll be there. And uh, I sat down and talked with him, and uh, he was trying to brainstorm about things that he could do for community support there in Hodgenville. So um, we talked about it, and the first thing that came to mind is like, you know, I had my backpack with me with all my books and stuff. So I pulled out this TSSR book, you know, because that thing was just bloom, you know, brilliant. I mean, it's always on my mind. But I said, look, check this out. So I had him look at the book and I told him, you know, a bunch about it. And I was like, I would like to, I said, like, we could do this. You know, this sounds like what you're talking about exactly. It sounds like you just asked me to come here to tell you about this. And he was like, okay. So he listened to me and, uh, and that's, um, that's I just rode with it basically. I said I'll do it. He's like, so you gonna take care of it? I said yes, sir. So I I did and, and I am doing and it's uh completely tiny right now. You know, yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's just starts small. Just... Sometimes it's just me and my wife in there. It's at the um, uh, at the public library down there. Uh, yep. And so, and we we haven't missed a day though. Saturdays, ten to so eleven thirty. Anybody local can look, and uh, there's one place out. You know, if you're on Facebook, you can go there. Yep. You can find TSSR Twelve Step Spiritual Recovery on Facebook. You can see the events. You can find out information that way. Yeah. Uh, you can go on a contact me page on spiritualunderground.org, and I will help you find that. So, uh, if you're down that neck of the woods and looking for these twelve step tools, is what uh, Marshall's talking about to change his life and rest of you. Um, and and the guy on the other side of the table too, and and Mark, and and we're going to change another guy's life here in just a minute. Uh, so yeah, these tools. Uh, you're interested in that? That's a small commercial for the Hodgenville uh, TSSR meeting. Down Thank there. you, Dan. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's really big stuff, man. I mean, because uh, I mean, can you ever imagine that you would like to do that? No. I mean, it's, those are miracles, you know. And I, you know, and I continue to encourage people, you know, like start a list. Start a list, man, because in a little while you're going to look back and you're going to see this miracle list and go, wow, man, I started a meeting. I did this, you know, so uh, I'll tell you, it's a miracle that you found them damn crystals in your yard, man. <laughs> they found me. Yeah. You so one day me. I'm sitting there and he, we're on this group thing. We have this group chat and, and I was actually talking to a guy earlier today, a guy that, uh, matter of fact, he's, I turned 50 Saturday and, and he's a month old. He's a month younger than me. My parents and his parents were best friends growing up. 
uh, when they were before pre us being born. I mean, they had these two little boys that within a month of one another. And, uh, and a matter of fact, my middle name is the, is this, is this family's last name. That's how close it is. My middle name is Elliot. And, uh, that is these people's last name. And so I'm, we chat, seems like Sunday mornings. I don't know why I seem like I'm out here in the wood shop on Sunday mornings and he will message me on Facebook and we'll just have a, a text dialogue through Facebook. But we was talking about that and, uh, about this connection we have and how we do this thing where we're keeping a higher level connection than what I'm, what I've seen before, you know, this through the group and stuff so you put on these here to find that hey i found these two crystals in the backyard you know and i'm a big crystal dude and i always have them out and you know some people can kind of poo poo it or not but i like them and and i don't really give a shit if you don't uh, i do and uh so i keep them around i have a whole bunch of them they're in my bedroom usually every place i go i have some crystals and you kind of were sniffing that out i'm not exactly sure what how that all came together but you'd posted that you'd found these two crystals in your backyard and of course my radar goes shooting off bing ding ding i'm like what you know i'm going to these shops i'm doing this stuff you mean you found a crystal and he's got a picture of him you know and i'm like how in the world so i but sometimes my witty nature come through and it did on that time and i was like yeah you didn't find those crystals you just saw did <laughs> the crystals <laughs> found you man and uh and so now you found more right and then you brought me one today that's from the yard too for yes, as a gift on the thing yes yes i did then yes. that's a miracle man and, that, and this started from um i guess the crystal that you gave shane because i kept seeing him twirling that thing in a meeting i was like what What's he got? He's got a, a fluorite sphere that I gave him for his fifth step through this, his through Christopher, through the author of that book. I have given people, and I did it Friday night. I did a fifth step with Brandon Friday night down at the cabin. And every single time I do a fifth step with a guy, I buy them a crystal to commemorate that event. And I'm going to have to do a fifth step with you just so I can get another crystal. And, uh, and we didn't do that. Um, <laughs> So that's how Shane got his was because he'd always, he just, he, he frankly coveted my fluorite crystal and it glows in the dark and, uh, and I'd taken it to a retreat and he saw it down there, you know, and I could just see him, you know, every time he looked at him, he's, he had drool going down a corner of his lips and stuff while he's looked at that crystal, you know, so when that fist step come around, I gave it to Christopher ahead of time and said, Hey man, uh, give us to him. So you saw that. Yes, I saw that, and I started wondering what that was and what's going on with it. And uh, then I started asking you and him questions, and um, and then I started looking into it a little bit, you know, just a little bit. I think I may have gotten one, bought one online or something like that. But but then also just through the program, learning about med- meditation and mm-hmm. stuff. So one time I was coming back from a spiritual underground meeting, and um, I was feeling extremely nervous. And I, this is back when I still had, uh, I was coming off of the Xanax and, and those uh, those medications. And I was like, ah, I could, and I still could take one if I had to or whatever to get me through or whatever. I mean, per the doctor's instructions, but I did not want to. You know, I did not want to do that. So I went home and I sat down in my kitchen floor and I meditated. And uh, my dog doesn't like to eat alone he doesn't he hates to dine alone so i have to sit in the kitchen floor with him while he eats for some mm. reason he's 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 ate up but anyway i'm so i'm sitting in there in the kitchen floor while my dog's eating his dinner and i'm meditating and i was very anxious i was uptight and uh i meditated for about five minutes is all and all of a sudden it was just 
it was like a big deep breath without taking any breath. I mean, I'm sure I did breathe, but the anxiety went away and I calmed myself down through that meditation. And I was like, whoa, that was my first real experience with using that tool as a tool and seeing it work. So I dug into that and I saw, uh, uh, I just started looking online and I saw crystals and meditation bowls and singing bowls. So I ordered one off Amazon that night, a singing bowl. And then I saw how people meditate with crystals. So then I was like, oh, okay. And then, so I was, all right, well, I'm going to load up on this so I can have this tool whenever I can. So, uh, yeah, so I use the, the crystals for meditation as well. And, um, you emptied your 401k account on eBay <laughs> buying crystals. I've put myself on a hiring or a buying freeze right now, but, uh, I have spent a lot more than I would have ever thought in a million years, but, uh, they're excellent for for just staying mindful of whatever it is you're trying to work on yeah. you know each one yeah. you can look them up and they're supposed to help you with different things now be they do or be they don't that's not me to say um yeah, whatever if, helps if you helps you a placebo effect going on with them then you know i will accept that you well, know? whatever helps like you them, helps right? you you know and it's and, not like uh, it's hurting me and, and, and they're pretty and exactly they're cool and and i really do think there's something about it personally yeah i do i yeah. believe you know everybody fact matter is everything vibrates at some frequency and those do and and that can actually be metered exactly yes it can actually be measured yes with a with a device so um yeah you can do that so that's kind of cool i like it as you uh I, I giggled i like watching people get better you know and and when i see certain things happen um especially when it like aligns with the path of what happened with me because it was the same thing you know i was around people who started having these crystals my initial reaction to them was you know yeah it was to poo poo it most like everything else that i see that you know i'd say that bob earl thing if you bring me something that's working for you and you say hey how about some of this i will instantly reject it just right. out of hand man and I like, and I've said this before too. You know, I mean, and that don't mean if you bring me a set of co- uh, a plate platter of cookies you just baked for out of the oven a minute ago and say, "Hey, Dan, you want a cookie?" My instant thing is to say, "No, thank you. I'm okay." You know, yeah, I want the whole tray of cookies actually, but I can't tell you that. Uh, and uh, so crystals is one of the things like that. But then it started to be in something that, for whatever reason, started landing with me, and I. Recovery gave me an open mind to start looking into other things like that. Same thing with the meditation. When guys were talking about meditation early on in my recovery, you know, this is 2011, long time before my sobriety date. And, you know, I just want to know how to stay sober tomorrow, you know, to hell with your meditation bullshit. Yeah. You know, I just want to, how do I don't drink tomorrow? You know, it's, this night is almost over and I've made it. What do I got to do tomorrow? But like you said, that, that meditation tool is, it's real. And so that'd be something else I'd write down on it, man. That's uh, those little stories will get away from you. And that's the problem. And and maybe my miracle thing might be a little bit too strong sometimes. Maybe, maybe. But the fact of the matter is, it's almost like a journaling thing of coming back. And if you, you will, these tools will be valuable to you helping somebody else later on this miracle list. That's where my miracle list really pays off more than any place else is when I'm helping somebody else. Because now I've got all this list of stuff that otherwise I would have forgotten some of the stuff or would slip my mind. And and now I have a comprehensive uh list to talk about um yeah i don't i don't stay closed mind about anything anymore that is my favorite quote is that herbert spencer you know the only way to a true way to stay in ignorance complete ignorance is uh, contempt contempt prior to investigation i love that quote that that hits me you know right between the eyes and i it has changed me so 
uh, yeah, yeah, I don't shut the door on anything anymore. Not. I see that, you know, that's something that uh, inspires me to watch you, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, I remember people saying the same kind of things about me when I, you know, when I was new or, you know, and so now I get to be the guy who's a little bit down in Pike Man looking and going, yeah, and I mean it with all my heart, you know, I mean, it's inspiring, it's cool, it helps me stay sober, uh, it gives me examples of dudes that I can go, look at that guy, you know, and so I can say, for instance, just to call a dude out, Nick, look at this dude, you know, you can have that too, man, because uh, it's obvious, you know, it's not a, you know, that's how we, 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 that's how we do this attraction, not promotion thing is by, by, by doing what you're doing. Um, my son, speaking of the miracles, you know, my son is, he'll be five in October and he's on the autism spectrum. And one of the things that my wife said was, after I'd quit drinking or at, for a while, she was like, you know, he's, he's doing better, you know, and I can't even tell you because I mean, I paid lots of attention to him. I've loved him of course, but, um, you can't pay attention when you're, when you're messed up, Yep. you know, you don't have the ability. So she has seen a noticeable difference yeah, in, me too. in how he is. And, um, it's a ripple effect of recovery. Everybody in your periphery, in your perimeter, will yeah. actually will heal because you did. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. You know, for all that time that I was thinking that I wasn't hurting anybody, even before I had a family, you know, I thought, well, I ain't hurting nobody but myself. But you've got a key answer for that. Oh, yeah, tell me about your mom. Yeah, right. You know? And, and, and even, even then, what about, you know, my nieces, my nephews, the people who are supposed to be looking up to me or I should be looking up to me? You know, I need to give them something to look up to. Amen. You know, so that's a something I had to say since you were talking about miracles. Yeah, because that's what I might, you know, and I and I feel the, you know, the. I don't want to say that, but I feel that we're moving towards the end of yes. this this of content. I kind of got a feel for things, but that's one. So, like, you obviously talked about sometimes i had to prod those miracle things out of people and, and make sure that we talk about them because like i said I always when we do that thing about recovery about what it was like what happened was like now some of what i want to talk about about what it's like now is the miracles in people's life and the things that happen the palpable things that are different in people's lives that are uh that, that make this payoff you know because we don't frankly as humans we don't do anything without a payoff yeah. there's got to be a payoff there has to be and, and in this recovery world, the payoff is these miracles of these things of sitting here with you and doing a podcast and being a father and being a son and getting to do the kind of things we get to do and be able to support other people, you know, and you're, uh, you're a minute, if not less, away from sponsoring other guys and helping them uh, get this thing too, you know, and, and you know, the whole momentum of our lives shifts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that needs that that story needs to be on these because uh, what do they say that the, the quintessential complaint in a twelve step recovery meeting is that a guy spends you know fifty minutes getting drunk and ten minutes yeah. getting well right. and getting sober and and I, and I would I, I'll rather, we have to do that identification thing and that you know we need to know that too right uh, because the guy that's been through that that's how he knows. You know, that's where he relates and goes, hey, man, that guy got better, too. So <clears throat> I did that. And that, that. I did that, too, kind of thing. Me, too, kind of thing. 
But so any other miracles, anything else you want to say? Yeah, you know, I don't mean. I certainly do not mean at any level that this is a wrap up. No, just, I know, I know. Um, yeah, it's uh, another one point or a major point I wanted to get through is that you know once you get sober, that's not it. You know, it's not the the it's what you know what's next on your list. You know, this isn't this isn't all. Um, you know, I want to better myself in many ways. I mean, as best I can. I've been. Um, uh, watching my what i eat you know um been i took a food challenge that uh you know i complained about it quite a bit but you know i feel better i've got more energy and mm-hmm. uh you know it's a, another level of of this uh of being fit being spiritually fit you know i've still got i got so many levels to go it's never going to be done that's but, a great thing yeah i'm <laughs> yes. glad there's not a fishing finish line right no kidding i don't want to bust through the tape but i've I've lost on that uh, that thing. I lost like uh, 15 pounds. So uh, and that's in the 28 days. But I've been running, um, like you know, two or three miles on a treadmill and just running. And then you you feel that way you get from the exercise. You, that stress goes away. You just feel differently. And uh, anyway, what I'm, I'm leading up to something a little bit is um, I've been uh, you know smoking since I was 16. Um, and I switched to the uh, douche flute in 2012. The vape pipes, the electronic, the e-cigarettes yeah. for the uninformed. Yeah. So, and I've been, you know, kicking around, getting rid of that. And uh, I've said it out loud. I wanted to put it on uh, in concrete evidence right here that I'm going to quit whenever this gets released. I'll be done. And I'll, I'm going to quit nicotine. And uh, that'll be my next Thing. Next phase of your development. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and like that, the steel bob earl stuff, man. We continue to do the things that improve the quality of our lives in recovery. Yeah. And uh and those things because it's a snowball effect, just like you said. It's one thing you go, man, that felt good to do that. You know, to I, I'm eating a little better. I feel a little better. Hey, I, I will, you know. So I just start. I start actually. You know, it sounds kind of funny, but I start getting addicted to feeling better. Yeah. Right. So I start doing yeah. things that makes me feel better and yeah. I can actually turn around that energy that used to have me doing this and completely point that compass needle in a different direction to, to, towards positive things into my life and put that energy that direction. And it's cool. It's inspiring. Another level of freedom too. Yeah, you know? man. Don't need to, I don't need to be chained to anything. Yeah. You know? Have you I seen want... my little video where I'm doing on the, 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 when I got the pacifier? Ah, uh, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't get, you don't put out too much stuff that I miss. Uh, you've already been through my dog on hunt files. On no, YouTube. no, I haven't. No, uh, I haven't went into the trove. I mean, I, I'm just on the, you know, yeah, the stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, uh, Quinn that's or somebody posted that the other day or put that up on the, uh, on the, I'm on the, go back on the group the other day. I'm going to have to go back because I'm going to need that assistance in, in, uh, in the nicotine quit. I have I a whole world of people who quit nicotine, you know, and uh, it's know. interesting that I, cause I see what I look at and this is just, this is somewhat, and I almost released it the other day, but I decided not to. Well, there, we wrote a fictional narrative, as some people did. I didn't write any of it, but I have it all. And it, and it gets really pretty wild, and it's almost cartoonish in it. It's like a post-apocalyptic nicotine-quitting world, you know, and there's cars turned over in the front yards that we, you know, <laughs> use to keep them getting shot at and, <laughs> and a whole bunch of stuff. And the guy, Jim, who's doing the PQAs, he wrote a good piece yeah. of it, kind of set the stage for it. But uh, I actually read the Terms and Conditions of Anchor, and I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't release that because it has some very shocking and, oh, yeah. and I actually deleted it off of the podcast. It was sitting in the podcast library, not released. Oh, and I was yeah. just kind of saving it for if I need to or just fell through. And then I actually 
something happened the other day and I read it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but in the same vein, because my mind will work kind of goofy and I'm looking. So I like, I got all these people getting sober and I got this, this, this tribe of people who are not using alcohol and what were normally we would call drugs. They're not using those anymore, but they're hell on wheels on the nicotine. <laughs> and what I wanted to say, see, I stopped myself from saying these people are that in that, on, in that tribe are not using mind-altering drugs, but I've since changed my mind because when I came off of nicotine, I realized how mind-altering it actually is. Uh, I didn't know that because I'm using it all day long. Oh, then I got this whole other tribe of people who are not using nicotine, but they're drinking. Now, whether, like you'd, you'd said earlier about your dad, whether they're alcoholics or not, I don't know. That's not for me to determine. But it's, it goes back to what we talked about a little earlier in the podcast about our own little chemical that we are okay with, right? Yeah. You know, I don't have a problem with alcohol. I don't have nicotine. I'm not going to jail over nicotine. You know, and it's just a little, you know, I, it's a little counterintuitive to start placing those differences. Just like you said, man, I quit everything <laughs> except for smoking dope. Yeah. You know, had this little issue. You know, I didn't do any, but I had this little issue with cocaine, you know, and, and so I like, it's interesting that our whole society does that with nicotine and like sets that over there that that one is okay, right? It's okay to use that. And, and it really, I could give a shit what you do, really. Stick a needle in your arm, you know, I mean, I don't want you to do that, but I'm not going to sit here and stand here and say that's, you know, we do what we do. And if we want to smoke and we want to dip and we want to do that stuff, I'll do it. Uh. But I'm glad that you're looking to, to, to come off of that. And I think that's a natural progression. I've seen, I've seen it before, and it's hard. Oh, no. And I have people that can help you. And I actually, like I said, Jim, Jim honestly is one of probably the most knowledgeable people I know about dealing with the effects of Quentin nicotine. Yeah. And like what days you're doing stuff. And I'm going to keep on putting out those PQAs yeah. and that public quit announcement stuff. And I'm going to start beating that drum that not yeah, only do, do we it. need to get sober from these other so-called air quote drugs, that's one too. Yeah, I agree. Because we do it, you know. Yeah. Uh, you and you watch guys. I mean, you get you in a stressful, no stressful situation. I bet you are sucking on that flute like it's playing. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. I was trying to think what you play on a flute, but uh. <laughs> orchestral music. I don't know. Uh, or uh, Peter Piper. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. But there's they run down through there playing some of that, uh, like. I can't remember. I just told Drew a complete blank, and I got a particular sensitivity that I don't want to step on because I've got some. Uh, I got. I've been. I've been. I've been. I've been called to task for some things I've put out in the world the last few days. I'm trying to be a little more sensitive to that. Um, so anyway, yeah. So that stressful stuff will hit you, you know. And you're smoking cigarettes left and right. You know, you see dudes at work, man, and then you know they're having a thing. Man, I gotta go have a cigarette. Uh, you know. I'm, I'm sitting with a guy doing a fist step and he's just dipping like mad, you know, and you're going, man, that's like, you know, I mean, I'm looking and you're just pouring drug in you. And, and again, you're probably not going to go to jail for that, but I have to look at that for me. And that's what happened. And that's exactly what happened. I've spoke about that as I was sitting here working with a guy on a 12 step talking about improving the quality of your life and recovery yeah. while I'm spitting in a cup yeah. and I'm going, and it I just hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. I mean, like, just completely. It held me up. It actually, he's like 
thought, you know, what happened to Dan just a second ago? He just checked out on me. And I did check out on him because I'm sitting there thinking, you are a hypocrite. You, you're sitting here doing this nasty crap and telling this dude about improving the quality of his life through dropping, as I think I actually was talking about, changing behaviors. Yeah. But anyway, we have our little thing and bumped into that. And uh, so I'm glad you're doing that. And we and I and I actually have told our nicotine quitting guys that we got a new guy coming here soon. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, they all say, why not today? Uh-huh. Said, well, I said, I really do think he means it. And, uh, and I'm going to take his honor that. And I understand he's like got a milestone. He's crossing over this milestone, mile marker. And, you know, won't really want to shift gears until a certain uh and I don't even know what it was, but when a certain thing happened, when you pass that correct mile marker, which is coming up very soon, you'll uh, add on to to the next thing that you're going to hammer away at. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any real answer for exactly why, but uh, I'm, I'm sure everybody needs that right time or whatever. The right time, I'm sure, is right now, you know, for for a lot of things. But for whatever reason, I've put it in my head that this is going to happen. But this is the way it's going to happen, so that's the way it is. That's all I want to say. Yeah. Well, I'm here to help on that account, too, I man. appreciate that. I'll need it. And, again, thanks for uh You got anything else? Come in. I'm, I, I'm sure I do, but uh, I'll save it for the next time. Yeah. Well, cool. You have a concluding thought you want to share as we close this up? Uh, that's kind of what I was, you know, just making sure that I got things out there. I, I've said most of the things that I wanted to get off of my head, I believe. Um I think it's uh, but, important we get this one year. I think that's just too cool that you're this, you know, you're this on fire, and uh, yeah. and and you know, this is still early. One of the things that led me looking this way was, or looking for more was, I was trying to tell people that I, you know, I, yeah, I understand this is that pink cloud, but I want to stay here. I want to know how, you know. And the guy was like, "Yeah, yeah, good, good. don't don't you don't do that. You ain't gonna have to get ready for this. Get ready for that. I was like, okay, I'll get ready for that, but I still want to stay here." Yeah. I want to keep this going. Actually, I want more. I want it to get even better. You know, I get got chills the other day when I did this. I want to get more of those. I want to yep. keep that going. So they were like, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't know. How. I don't know how to do it. Okay, well, if you don't know how to do it, I don't need to be talking to you. I need to talk to somebody that knows how to do it. Yeah. My so. experience is I do that by enlarging my spiritual life. Yeah. By, that's the bigger one that I continue to get with. That's playing with crystals, learning Reiki doing because all that yoga becoming a yoga instructor was in was was enlarging my spiritual life so when you start looking at definitions of what stuff means like that there's all the the, it's infinite to what you can do when you look at that category to me i think the answer is more just hey you smell more there is more just go out there and look go go do it yep take a look at it you know, take a look at it, figure Hang out which one, and pick tribe of dudes that are doing cool shit. Yeah, and we'll do some of what they're doing. Yeah, you know, try it out. Thirty to fifty guys doing multiple different things, man. You yeah. watch them and go, yeah, I think I want to do that. I have so many things up on the shelf right now to do, and I'm just waiting to get one next one down. You know, the next thing I'm getting down is a mankind project. I'm gonna go to that. Find somebody uh, next doing month. It. Get excited. Next month, I'm going to one of my immersion weekends, a three day weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I'm going to go to the new, I don't know what you're supposed to say in here, just some things, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, the new warrior training and go see what that's about because there's people in my life that have tools that interest me and I want those tools. And I know that's where they got them. There you go. Yeah. That's cool. I'll, I'll, I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> I get a little passionate at times, and I want to stay that way. Uh, yes, stay that way. 
Yeah. Well, man, I'm really glad you came in. I'm glad everybody did here today, man. And, uh, and like I said, you're, you're a light in my life and, uh, and a blessing. I just, uh, you know, it happens. And, and I, you know, I don't want to, I never single anybody out and I certainly don't mean to do that, but people come into my life, man, and just add to my life, add to the, they, they add to the quality of my life in recovery and you're one of them. So thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Cool, man. Well, we will end this one, and we were going to turn it off and save and, and start another one in just a minute. Uh, probably take a little bit of a break. And um, So let's get some couple things out of the way again. 12-Step Spiritual Recovery by James Christopher Cohn. That is where these tools reside. It is a master's level book on this stuff, and uh, you can do that. Uh, you can get that book and do that work and improve the quality of your life in whatever form that means to you. Uh, spiritualunderground.org. That's where you can get show notes and uh, the 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 website that uh, supports this podcast. Music is by Darren Frank. DTMWW.net woodworking and handyman stuff. Uh, I will continue to close in the same manner most times. Uh, I'm having a blast doing this whole recovery thing. Um, if you're not having fun, it's your own damn fault. And thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out. folks this is the colonel you may remember me from episode 126 about nicotine recovery well i'm here with this week's public quit announcement for those of you wishing to add nicotine to your recovery roster this pqa is brought to you by dtm woodworking and the colonel's legal defense fund today's subject is a controversial topic in the world of nicotine recovery to use or not to use quit aids or even tobacco substitutes the difference being quit aids include nicotine patches gum or prescription meds to ease you off of nicotine. While substitutions are like choosing to use fake tobacco products that do not have nicotine. There are several types of fake dips out there and maybe even a few fake cigs, who knows. The topic for, for me boils down to this. What are you trying to accomplish? For me and many others, maintaining any level of nicotine in the system is not a form of recovery. You're simply prolonging the addiction with a higher chance of relapsing or caving. I recommend cold turkey for one reason. It gets you past the worst of it up front, then you begin your actual recovery. Substitutes or those non-nicotine products represent a different part of the addiction and that is the oral fixation that is as much a part of your problem as the chemical itself. Some dippers have found non-nicotine fake dips quite beneficial, whereas I elected to cut all ties with the old habit and found that my Hull's cough drop satisfied the oral fixation but not so close to the habit that I felt in danger of caving. The problem with any substitute is this. Now I have a very persistent cough drop habit that I cannot seem to shake, and to be honest, I'm afraid to even try. So find what works best for you in this arena. Well, my friends, this has been your PQA for the week. Take it from Dan and I, it all gets better, and you only need to worry about staying quit today, one day at a time. Quit on and carry on, my friends. Colonel No Cope out.
spent a long time searching Years with my heart hurt One thing's for certain I don't know it all I've been blessed by new day Learning to live in a good way Oh.